strangely enough, um, I felt like I lost my purpose as a musician because I had become happy. Okay. Because my first two albums were breakup albums. Right. And like, and my pattern was mysti- like mystify the ex, make it seem like, wow, what the hell am I gonna do without you? It did great. Like, I love those first two albums. But when I started working in the restaurant and coffee world and stuff like that, um, ended up making some money. I was just like, wow, I have food in my fridge. That's great. And then, like, I would try to write music, and I was like, I'm, I'm not I'm feeling okay. anything, though. <laughs> like, Welcome to Meet Your Makers, the show in which we meet the makers, the movers, the creators, the curators, the influencers, and instigators. Um, basically, anyone in the art slash film slash photo slash design slash music community who's willing to sit down and talk about their craft. My name is Miguel, and today's maker is Luis Gutierrez. He is an electronic musician who goes by the moniker Like Animals and Fantomo. Um, you've probably seen slash heard him at Black Market or 2020. Um, he is formerly the drummer for Good Morning High Fives and Sleepwalk Circus. And fun fact, he and I used to play in a church band together about a decade ago. In this conversation, we go from chronicling his evolution of style to finding his voice, um, the importance of discipline and structure in the creative process, and the tension between creativity and contentment. Um, and between and around all of those are a whole bunch of tangents and um, a whole lot of rambling, as expected. And on that note, I'm going to stop rambling and take you to this interview. So I hope you enjoy this one as much as we did. And I think another one from like another girl I dated, I realized it's absolutely essential for me to be with someone who gets my humor. Mm, yeah, no. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Like the last girl I sort of went out with like recently, just recently, like it was cool and everything, but every time I made a joke, it you was like, to explain huh? it. and then I, ha- yeah, I'd have to explain it. And like, yeah, not many girls get my humor. Right. And, I, like, and I have a dark sense of humor uh, and, and stuff. Like, and explaining a joke doesn't help. Like whenever you, each explanation of a joke is like stomping on it until it turns into powder. Like minus, minus five points every time you say like two words. Like, <laughs> I know. It, right? it, it kills it. Yeah, that girl like I dated, like by the end of it, there was just a whole graveyard. Of dead jokes. Of every joke I tried to tell. <laughs> But I mean, I at first I thought it was a language barrier thing, because um, she was from elsewhere. But I'd realized after dating another person who was from another country that it wasn't. It was just a matter of like we were operating in like whole different like wavelengths. Yeah, and and it's at first I thought it was shallow to expect someone to always get your humor, but then the more I think about it, the more I realize it's like. Getting humor is more indicative of um, just being in sync in a certain way. Mm-hmm. Um, that you think that you come from a similar place. I think that's what I when like when two people laugh at the same thing, it's like there's some comfort to it. It's like, oh, I get you, you get me. Like someone said, there's this social hack. If you want to, if you go to a party or a gathering and you want to find out who is who is intimate with one another, who's like sleeping with one another, or at least like who among these friends like like each other. Whenever everyone's laughing, look at um, 
where people's eyes go. Yeah. If people keep making oh. eye contact when they laugh, that's an interesting they're point. Probably, um, they probably have something going on. Mm-hmm. I haven't tested this here yet, but I feel like it's pretty accurate. At least on my end. I know that like... I feel like it is. Because I think it's... When you like someone, you check what they're laughing at. Yeah, Like you want sure, to know what sure. you're into. It's like I, with hopes of you two are into the same stuff. Yeah. Um, so I think I, I'm going to have to test that out next time I'm out with friends. See who's in sync, you know? Um, so yeah, that's... <laughs> that's a good one, actually. That's a really good one. I never then, thought about it that way. Yeah. And then I've had, I had this other, um, observation I started writing about today, but I haven't like finished yet. Um, I think if you are, if you need to find, like find out who you connect to, like find a love that lasts or could potentially last, you need to go on boring dates. Mm, True. Absolutely true. (laughs) This is, it sounds counterintuitive, but I, I like, because to me, um, Obviously, anyone, almost every pair can enjoy, like, an awesome exotic dinner. Anyone can enjoy a cool show, a music festival, or a trip to an exotic island. But it takes a very special um, pair to be able to, like, inject joy into, like, a dentist's waiting room. Yeah. So if you want to find out just how much you, like, connect, how much you um, you can enjoy someone's company invite her to like renew your license with you <laughs> yeah yeah that's actually a really good one damn i never thought about that either that's yeah, so true because yeah. then because then you strip away like if you go on a cool show together um you have all that like novelty and dopamine like shooting yeah, up yeah. and then you associate those good times <laughs> with that person and which is great, but then all that's like sort of like temporary and you get like in a way you get this false positive that like that you're really into this person despite the fact mm. that it's really just like hormones that are flowing and adrenaline from this like whole new experience yeah. of like shark cage diving or something, you know? Yeah. Um, and then another point is that when you, when you do end up like settling with someone a giant chunk, if not the majority of that time, will be in like the tedium of um, managing schedules and paying bills and yeah, all that, yeah. instead of going off on like adventures through town and seeing like the magnificent view of the city, you know. Mm-hmm. So I think like if you want to find out like how well you pair up with someone, go Boring someplace dates. where like the only thing that'll keep it entertaining is like whether or not you have chemistry. Yeah, that's so true. <laughs> so it's like, like ever seen Jiro Dreams of Sushi? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so it's basically, in a way, if you fall in love with someone based on like a really fun, um, thrilling date, it's like claiming the food is awesome at like Benihana because it was like an awesome, like an amazing yeah, show. Yeah, yeah. As opposed to knowing the sushi is amazing by going to like Jiro's restaurant where there's mm. nothing else but like the fish. Yeah, yeah. So that's my my new philosophy when it comes to like relationships. That's a good one, actually. <laughs> that made me think about certain things that I'm going through and stuff. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Strip away the distractions, then you know like what you two are like really made of. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Wait, you need to bring your mic closer. Closer? Like closer. Yeah. here? Like, yeah, like here. Here. All yeah, right. I think that's a solid level. All right. So, 
Anyway, moving away from dating, um, I usually ask most guests, well, I ask, I've asked every guest, um, first off, like, did you, did you, okay, first of all, like, welcome to Meet Your Makers. I'm here with musician, DJ, uh, artist, Luis Gutierrez, also known as Like Animals, and also now newly ordained as, what's your new, um, Fantomo. Fantomo. Um, who is now you've you've made your debut you've like you've yeah. played as Phantom first show yeah at Charlie Does oh right? no that no, one that was, was uh, my first one was at Warehouse Eight Warehouse Eight oh yeah yeah right. um, for Jorge's birthday yeah. yeah nice cool so those are your two like main um, projects projects yeah yeah um, so I'm here with Luis and we're on another installation of meet your makers which still doesn't have a proper format but whatever it's all about like the content anyway so first question i usually ask is um did you grow up in like a creative household yes i did um all right so mm. in what way my mom is a painter my dad was a radio dj oh wow yeah yeah know. yeah oh wow okay <laughs> I yeah. know your mom was a painter. Yeah, my 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 yeah, my mom was a painter, and I, I guess that's where the discipline of being an artist comes from. Because she always insisted that whatever art that I did had to be done every day. Oh, okay. Yeah. Like, was that something instilled that when she was while you were kids? Well, I was a kid. She didn't have to tell me. I just did it every day. But then, okay. like, I think she made it clear in college when. It became more of a, a pressure test, you know, like if I was making music, I had to, it was kind of a school thing, you know, and and one day I was just chilling and I got kind of sad and I was like, why don't I make any of my own music anymore? And it, 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 and I was like, it's because of school, you know, it's because okay. school sucks and like I have to do this. Are you talking about college or high school? College. Okay. Well, what you studied music. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, go on. And then my mom just told me, like, well, it's because you're not doing it. And I was like, what do you mean? Like, I, I sit here and do my composition homework every day and all this. And she was like, yeah, but then afterwards, like, shouldn't you be doing your own stuff anyway? <laughs> like, for at least 30 minutes or something. And I was oh, just like, man. oh. And she was like, see, that's, that's why, like, when you were a kid and still doing drawings and paintings and stuff, that's why, like she actually pointed out that she didn't have to tell me it's because like I, I was doing it for fun whereas yeah. like you have to be able to take uh take that that feeling of fun and inject it into your life that might be a little less quote-unquote fun okay when 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 you're in the real world or in college or whatever you know so wait are you saying did did um studying music in college sort of like take away that sense of play um, at times, depending on which subject I was working on. Composition was fine, but the technical stuff kind of made me, made me like, oh man, like I had to, I had to <laughs> like sit there and listen to the same track that's just, that was just like white noise and identify which, uh, which frequencies oh, no way. were taken away or added to it and stuff like that, which, well, Accomplishing it made me feel good, but then the process, <laughs> the process is always just like, oh my god. Did you never reach a point of like, of of being comfortable enough in that process that it wasn't as tedious? Or maybe maybe not the, those always. subjects. Okay, it just Ooh. was a chore all the way through. Yeah, well, <laughs> almost like maybe like different levels of of 
that feeling it was yeah. a chore, you know, like Well what did what were your expectations when you went into to college with music as your like your course? I thought it would be more of a a performance course. But it okay. was a production course, right? So it turns out there's a lot of industry stuff in it. Which I'm not Which is good. It's it's, smart. it's good. Yeah. It's a smart thing. But I guess I think like from observing myself like going down my life path, I feel as if uh I am less of an industry person in terms of music and more of just a artist. Okay. Yeah. And like which is which is why, you know, I live the life that I do now with <laughs> the coffee in the daytime and the yeah, art yeah. at night time. Yeah. Um did you like so you were expecting more of like a conservatory sort of setup? Yeah, I, th- I thought it was a a less conservatory conservatory. Okay, okay. That, that's the way it was described to me by by Mike. Actually, Mike, okay. like the way Mike made it seem was that like, oh, we just jam all day. So conservatory, you know, like, but not as highbrow. Yeah, there, right? yeah. Midbrow, I'm guessing. Midbrow. Yeah, I like the midbrow. <laughs> <laughs> so then, but then you, so you expected that, but you came in like, what were things that like really surprised you? The the way the way everything felt like a competition be- okay. between between students um so that didn't involve class usually it was during break time like there were there was a certain drummer who i won't name <laughs> but like yeah there's like a certain drummer and a couple of other guys too where if i walked into a drum room while one of them was drumming they would, they would just start playing at oh, okay. maybe a hundred percent more oh i see <laughs> you know they would just do just like pull out off. all their tricks and then i would get near them yeah near enough so they could hear my voice while playing the drums and i'd just be like let me play and then they'd get up and i would just show off oh also, so you were you did participate in the whole like yeah be- be- because 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 Dang. they they were doing that to me so i was like you know what like i know i'm pretty good like all right <laughs> so so i did that and like you know, it it all leads to the the eventual realization that everyone is their own level of good, you know. Right. Or everyone has their own good, but then um yeah, <laughs> that surprised me because I thought everyone would just be friends and be like, yeah. oh yeah, I played this and that, and and you Supporting played that. Supporting each other and collaborating. Yeah. So there was a lot of flexing. Yeah. <laughs> even uh, as even or even more among the girls I'd say like, you know. Oh, how so? Yeah, it's funny like um some of the girls got competitive with each other in terms of like, like vocalists especially, okay. you know, like yeah. like oh no, 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 like she she's not that good. Like Oh, like they'd actually put each other down? Yeah. <laughs> and and some dudes were like that too. They're like, "Oh man, oh, so like my 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 guitar tone's not that great, but then uh you have to have all those pedals to get yours right, right? Oh, so, man. Yeah, like, it, it, it happened. <laughs> well, Maybe not as in your face as the way I said it, but <laughs> they, but it would happen, and people would get angry or sad or whatever about it. Just it shows your insecurity, I think, when you do that. Yeah, I think so, too. There's, there's a group of, group of people who were kind of just like that. Like, I mean... A lot of them are my friends too, but then right. in college when everyone's so competitive with each other, it's like, you know, they would just end up giving unsolicited, unsolicited advice oh, okay. to other people in other bands. And- Did you ever watch Whiplash? Mm-hmm. So I was just like rewatching it like before you came in, but like, so is it, is it any way similar to your experience? Yeah, similar, but 
a lot less dramatic and serious. Um, right. They would fail your ass if you uh, if you if you messed up, but and if they you were would rushing or dragging. Yeah, <laughs> stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. They, they, they would really do that. But maybe you know, like it's not like they're gonna throw something at you. Right. Maybe they'd shout at you, but yeah. Like there was this one time where um, the, uh, I was in a composition class for only five people because we were the only five people that passed the one before that class. Oh my! Out of how many? Forty. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah, it, it's uh, it's a really high failure rate. A ninth. Yeah. Class. Yeah. Wait. So, five. Oh, never mind. My like an eighth. An eighth. Half is yeah. Off. Yeah. Well, but but so there's five of us. And at the beginning of the term, our professor told us, if you don't talk about midterms, there will be no midterms. And we were like, if okay. If you don't talk about if it. If you don't talk about it. Okay. And then, like, it was the first day of the week of midterms, and we were all just chilling because we know none of us are going to talk about it. Right. And then, yeah, my best friend, June, <laughs> bursts into the door oh, no. and goes, oh, my God, I'm sorry. Did I miss midterms? Oh, and no. Our professor was this dude. His name was we call, uh, Sir Jed Balsamo. Yeah. And uh, he is this, uh, he's this gay dude with, at the time, metalhead long hair. Yeah. Uh, black turtleneck all the time. Okay. And um, he just drops the marker on the floor as he's writing starts laughing maniacally walks across the room and sits at the piano and plays uh the death march like six times in six different key signatures the next more complicated than the last every time and he and this all while laughing still and then and he (laughs) left and then he never sinister yeah he never came back but his assistant came back with a stack of papers yeah, and said like, okay, um, these are your tests. Sir Jed told me to give them to you. Um, okay, so there's uh, there's sixty questions per page, and you are to spend a minute per page if you're gonna finish this at all. Are you serious? Yeah, and oh, it was all like man. intervals between notes. Like we, yeah, he was yeah. expecting us to get it in a second each time. What is it? Is it something you listen to and then? Oh no! Just just the it's notation, stuff. just the notation. Um, okay. Like there's one note here, and then the next bracket has a note there, and you have to tell in technical terms what the distance is between note A and note oh, B. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah. Like you know, major fifth, oh, minor my third. Yikes! And you have to. But how many of these did you have per page? Sixty. Wait, wait, wait. 60 of these per page, and then how many and pages? And one minute per page if you hope to actually finish it. And how many... There were 60 pages? or how many I forget pages? how many pages. That's crazy. So basically, you have to guess... You have a second to guess each one. Yeah. And And at the wow. time, like, you know... Yeah, he had been drilling us for half a term. And I guess and, he uh, thought wow. that by that time... You would know. We would have known. And how, how did your classmates feel about your friend? <laughs> we all got mad. We were all just like, the second he walked out after playing the death march, we were like, June, why? And she was like, I'm sorry. We were like, why? Oh, no. Why did you do that this? That sounds horrible. But it, it's it's one of my favorite college memories now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, at least all of you have this story to tell. Yeah. Um, but like in terms of, um, let's say like composition, like how... How is it composing something and having your like professor or peers or sort of like mm. dissect it or, or well, criticize it? 
actually, I was very lucky to have very uh, very good composition teachers. Actually, okay. like these guys were real creative guys, and and like they were all genius. When I heard their work with orchestras and stuff. It really freaked me out because, like, they were doing the equivalent of like experimental music, but with orchestras. With orchestra, yeah, and that was crazy. Like, um, so were you doing something similar? Yeah, actually, okay. um, it, I guess it was kind of a precursor to what I do now. Yeah, um, my first piece that I composed on my own, it was about my dad who was in a in a coma right. in a hospital, and like. My professor, before I started composing it, um, my professor said, "Okay, um, uh, if you can explain to me why you bend any theory rules, okay, you can do whatever the hell you want. Okay. Like if you bend a rule, though, you you can you have to tell me why, right. and if it matches up creatively, there you go. Okay, and like." I was using a lot of dissonant tones. I, I I I made it really weird the entire time. Right. And then he would ask me like, "Why did it do that?" And I was like, "Oh, think about it as a as a camera going f- or like a camera switch. Like like in that bar, the camera is is closed up on my dad's eye, oh. and after that bar, the camera is outside of the hospital window." Oh my! And yeah. and and it was I was explaining it because like my bass note choices. Yeah. Like went from from a like a mm, to a mm, like like okay. right after, but like very abruptly and stuff. So it was a bit jarring. Yeah, yeah. And like it, it was supposed to be a, a reference to inside the air conditioned room to, to uh, outside beside the, uh, the 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 thing that's outside. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you made this thing about your dad losing a coma, then. Um, like, is it was it scary to um, compose something that that comes out of somewhere like so personal? Mm, no, I, I felt like it was the only way I could say anything at the time. Okay. And I feel like up to now, it's kind of made a mark. You know, um, everything I make has to be highly, highly personal now. But then, I think one could see how. Um, um, how anxious you could be when you put out when you express yourself based on something that personal because then especially in the school setting when a professor is it's his job to pick it apart Mm -hmm. um when you've poured your heart into something and done it done so so sincerely and then if a class or professor decides to like in a way put it down Mm -hmm. that's a whole lot more hurtful yeah, definitely. Did anything like that happen to you? Actually, the funny thing is, it in terms of composition, it never happened to me. Like, okay. um, they always, they always just said, "Wow, hey, that's cool," and then, right. and then they would say, "Maybe I would have done something different with the strings for this section, but everything else is good." Yeah. Right. Like, there was one time where I had to do a, I had to make music for a a one minute video where it was all just really scary footage okay for the same professor and uh i i just made it out of samples instead of using notes but i pitched the samples so that they would all be it would you know so it would it would actually mean something okay. um 
you know tonically um but then uh but then uh this one student who was a bit more you know conservative with the way he did music he he raised his hand when the professor asked like okay what did you guys think of Luisa's work he raised his hand and he was like i think it's terrible and i don't think wow. it's actually music well, he like, actually said that like to straight yeah up. he was like i don't like it i think it's bad how tactless <laughs> yeah he was yeah well like i said right the competition and stuff and this guy was just like he didn't use any real instruments he used a bunch right. of sounds that he pitched like how do like like how is that considered music you know he he pretty much broke it down and i was so mad in my seat wow. and the professor just looked straight at him and he was like yeah that's that's what you think and 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 he was like yes sir and he was like shrugs and goes well i liked it so he gets a four <laughs> <laughs> and i was well, like yeah okay well, to be fair he's entitled to his opinion yeah no yeah that's um, that's totally fine. But at the same time, like, has he not heard of ready mades and and Dada movement? Like, musically, you're allowed to do, to do that. Like, I've yeah. heard of it too. Um, wow, he actually said that's terrible. I, mean, I remember, like, even in, in film school, like when we would present our cuts, our like films, um, we would see some pretty awful ones. But I don't recall anyone. Okay, except for one guy, but nobody liked him. Um, 99% of my peers uh, were very, like, diplomatic in their criticism. So, mm -hmm. I don't know. It was, it's kind of... I mean, it's bold of him, I guess, to be that straight. Yeah, I guess there's always that one guy, actually. But then did he, did he offer anything, like, um, constructive? N no. Or was it just, like, you and I are fundamentally... Like, our beliefs are different. I think it was pretty much that, actually. <laughs> Oh man! Well, then, me and yeah. that guy are actually cool now. Oh, that's good. <laughs> yeah. But you, do you see eye to eye in terms of music? No. <laughs> no? Okay. No, Until no. now. Until now, no. Well, but then, like you know, now nowadays we're just like, hey, yeah. what's up? We went to college together. Yeah. Well, yeah. Good on him to, for sticking to his guns, I guess. Yeah. If only he was a bit more um, gentle or kind. <laughs> but I, I think, I think that's the thing with. Um, with any art, whether it's music or film, or especially with acting, or um, when when an artist expresses him or herself from like the heart, when it comes when it is like very personal, as opposed to someone who's like a little more theoretical mm -hmm. with their approach. Because then, if you're like if you're all if you're all theory, if your composition is based on like your on math or principle, and someone dismisses it, it's like they don't like your ideas but if it if you write based on an episode from your life or how you're feeling at the moment um and then it's put down then like you can't help but like separate yourself from your work mm -hmm. um i've seen it I, it was especially clear with like friends who are actors and they like get rejected from like auditions like, because there's no way to separate. Because it's always personal. For yeah, them. It, their medium is it's, their it's my own look. It's my body. Know. Yeah, that's crazy. Actually, I haven't thought of that either. Like, but um, has has any aside from that, um, has any has anyone in in like your school experience been like in a way humiliated? Hmm. I'm. I'm so sure that I've seen it happen, but I can't think of an example at the moment. Mm. 
like whiplash equivalent just called out like i can't believe you you don't know this i can't remember anything exactly but i remember a professor joking about a person's lyrics after, oh, really? in in a lyric class actually oh, really? <laughs> like lyric writing class like um it was just the most tacky lyrics we had ever yeah. heard like oh, and we're, it was it was really it really was so the professor's joke was the professor valid. was just like he 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 kind of just made a face he made this face like this and then, <laughs> and then he was like he looked at the rest of the class like hmm Hmm. And then everyone laughed except for the, the professor oh, turned around and no. started the person checking was his there. papers. Yeah. Oh, he, he no. had the track had just finished playing. Actually. <laughs> oh, that's that's embarrassing. Yeah. Some really, really, really tacky lyrics. <laughs> like, well, looking back, like, do you? Um, what were like the most important things that you gotten out of your school experience? My group of friends, I'd say. Friends, okay. they're, they're both friends and collaborators now. Oh, great. Like, um, all of my bandmates were my classmates in my composition chain. And, um, yeah. And uh, the people that I started my collective with are, are from music production as well. And... Even even down to uh, even down to photographers that I collaborate okay. with and yeah the the girl that made all of my album art so far she uh, she I met her when I was a freshman and she was a well, a freshman in photography yeah and she was just my singer's cousin's no oh, my singer's boyfriend's cousin right and so I met her and then like yeah like, we actually realized the other day that we've known each other for seven years. Or actually, wow. eight years now. That, wow. And so, but then with like with the curriculum, did you? Is there anything that like you? Mm. What do you find most valuable? Oh, probably, probably the film scoring chain and the electronic music chain, which are both quite intertwined because you need yeah. to do the electronic music chain in order to understand how to score a film. Okay. Um. Because the way they taught it was, you know, the the current way of scoring a film, which means yeah, you sit in front of a computer and you can make all those sounds yourself. Where whereas you know before it was more of an orchestral right. thing, right? But um, yeah, because of the film scoring thing, like I, I got an interesting professor for that one. He would give us weird videos or options that were weird because yeah. he himself was was, a was weird. A, a, quite a weird guy also. <laughs> yeah. You know, so there were options that were weird and so I would pick I'd always pick the options that were weird. And um so in film scoring class there is also a sound design part of the lesson of the whole lesson plan in that term and um because of the sound design part of it I started working with samples in my music and that's right. how I ended up here. Actually. Yeah, so it seems you, you yeah. have like this clear trajectory of how like your um, your music now came to be. Actually, yeah, and I actually haven't thought about it until now. <laughs> like, uh, I remember the moment that I realized, like, oh man, I I can work with samples. It's because um, I was working on a scene where a guy delivers a slow motion, sweet chin music type kick. kick yeah. And um, they told me, okay, you have to do the sound design. You have to pick the sound oh, you that have you to, put in there. Well, you put the in like the impact that, of his foot on the chin. Yeah. So like, I, I put a kick sound on it, right? And that was good at first, but I was like, okay, that's that's kind of like right. lame. Yeah. 
So I I reversed the wave of a lion's roar oh. and uh, and I I just dipped a uh, I dipped a shotgun going off in reverb and turned down the volume and uh, and uh, oh a for for when the dude flew away I slowed down and reversed the wave of what was supposed to be a bullet flying through there so like it was like a like a whoa wait you still have this these files no actually no. They, they they died with my first hard drive no that's <laughs> tragic oh man I would have loved to I, I remember doing that and when I achieved the sound I wanted I was just like oh my god I can do that that's thrilling and um, yeah I just started making beats like Maybe a few days after. So you started incorporating that like with a with a proper like rhythm and yeah, yeah. Damn. Sound design's fun. I did one. I, um, I did one semester of sound design back in film school, and I um, for my group, I I proposed that we do because we needed for a second project that semester we had to like do a soundscape like tell a story purely out of sound or or create a very vivid like atmosphere and for us we did birth but mm -hmm. from like the baby's perspective oh man <laughs> okay that's so, so cool it was, it was really fun um like like i had to be creative i i got a boom mic and i wrapped it in a condom um on non-lubricated of course and then i dipped it in a swimming pool and just had someone like in the water like do kicks and stuff so that was like our main bed. Nice, and nice. Then we, did, we did interesting stuff like, uh, what was it? So we needed to get like the heart monitor in the back, mm -hmm. like which we'd muffled in post. But to record it, all I did was like I just put a mic next to the microwave and I would like press the button like really boop, boop, and then nice, it. nice. And then like for so we, for the birth part. Uh, it got kind of gross. I like experimented with a few things. One was I got like noodles, like spaghetti, and just like smushed it. And then for the cutting, I got like I cut through watermelon. Mm. Um, and the end product was like really unsettling. Um, if I find that file, I would add this. I would add it to this. But yeah, it was it was fascinating. I, I never I never did pursue anything um, related to sound design after that. But like while we were learning, it was like. It was a ton of fun just being like creative. Although learning Pro Tools was a oh, was a pain. I would yeah. I, hate, I hate that thing so much. I, I I went through it and I still don't use Pro Tools. Like I still just use Ableton instead. Oh, okay. like, <laughs> it's way simpler and yeah. But to backtrack to your like the evolution of your style. Anyway, so you wait, you grew up with like your mom had you like painting and drawing when you were a kid. Yeah, but um, she didn't really have to tell me, she would just Put a pad of paper in right. front of me. And you were just like, by instinct, here's what I do. Yeah, because, well, that's what she was doing right. the whole time that I was, that she would, you know, when she gave me drawing time or whatever, you know, she was doing the same thing. So to me, it was like, oh, it makes sense that I do this. Yeah. But um, how did, uh, when did music come into play? When I started playing the drums, actually. When you were, how old were you then? Fifteen. Okay. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, around when um, we met. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Uh. Yeah, it's because I I wanted to play the drums, and I was looking for a teacher, right. but it was uh kind of expensive to to do it at Yamaha. Right. And then my mom was just like, "Hey, your cousin's husband 
teaches drums. And okay. That brought me to Ryan. Oh. Yeah. Wait, Bianca's your cousin? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I think I knew that, but I forgot. She's my okay. second cousin. Her, her and her mom and my mom are oh, first cousins. Oh, so that's how you got. And then you got to church, and then all that. And... Yeah. <laughs> and but then yeah, like at first it was really just the drums, though. Right. Until I actually learned how to make my own music. What, what um, when you were playing the drums, like what were your main, um, tracks? Like what, who, what were your like main references? Metal bands. Yeah, yeah. Um, although I surprisingly never learned how to drum metal songs. Okay. Um, I think it was largely influenced by by Mike, like one of yeah. the dudes teaching me, right? So like he was always just like, "Hey, have you heard the new Slipknot track? Oh, you okay. heard the new yeah. Dream Theater track?" And then I'm just like, I, I would just listen to it, and I'd, I'd, I think it was crazy technically, but I didn't want to drum that way. Right. I wanted to feel that way in a way, but then what brought it to like full blown passion, I think, was when I heard Rage Against the Machine. Oh, I see. But you didn't you didn't listen to them before playing drums? Mm, mm, just a little bit. Okay. What was your music before then? Uh, before that was mostly seventies, eighties stuff that my dad listened okay. to. So seventies uh, soul and eighties um, jazz pop jazz. I'm saying, you know? yeah. Yeah. And then came, <laughs> and when I played the drums, yeah, it became more punk about it. You yeah, know? yeah. So you, you listened to Rage Against the Machine, and then like, yeah, that, that took off. Yeah, because like I was really into hip hop too, at the time. But I, I honestly couldn't draw a, uh, I couldn't draw a parallel between hip hop and and live instrumentation because I, okay. I had no idea i guess you know since i only started playing the drums like a year before that moment right and then i heard rage and i was like oh my god this guy is playing hip-hop stuff but with a, a a really crazy band right now right and so yeah like i decided that i would play that way you know i would play um kind of s- simple uh, simple but but effective right and, and and with a lot of feeling right so then but then <clears throat> did you ever find like your dad's 70s and 80s tracks leaking into your own like music now i do um no but then no then no but then uh i think it was my second year in college when I started experimenting with jamming with people that wanted to make soul music. Right. And like when they would give me the tracks that were their pegs or send me the demos of, of their original songs where I, they wanted me to play the drums, I realized, oh my God, like this is the stuff I grew, grew up, up listening with, to. Yeah. Like I can totally do this. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. So was it then that you sort of started like veering away from Rage Against the Machine and metal? Y- yeah, actually. Like it was kind of then... Um, it was actually when my first band broke up. Right. When I realized it, because um, I was talking to June, and I was asking her, like, I was just like, hey, um, I was like, hey, uh, why do you want to quit the band? And she was the first to quit, or? She was the first, yeah. Okay, yeah. She was like, oh, um, like, among other things, she, she just said, don't you want to make the music that you want to make, though? And I was like, like we we are mu- making music that we want to make and she was like no i mean like you know the music that we 
that we make when we're just randomly jamming because right. at, at that point sometimes i'd have uh i'd have like my my drum pads with me when i slept over at her place because we had yeah. class the next day or whatever and then i would just play the drums and she would play keys and sing or like we'd be with other friends that also played soul or made hip-hop right. stuff and they would jam on their different electronic instruments as well and and yeah that was what came naturally yeah. whereas uh whereas with the band it was more of a it seemed to come naturally, but it was more of because there was there was some attention that we were getting from people. Okay. We were playing pop punk stuff, right? You know? Yeah, I remember. But then, if you two were so naturally inclined to like play more soul and electronic stuff, how did you come about being part of like a pop punk band? It was the the first week of of college, and uh, yeah. our guitar our two guitarists and our bassist were all very very into pop punk and um right. and like they just noticed that well they were also into paramore so they looked for the the only girls that sang in the class so that that was june and um i happened to be from alabang which uh, was where, where our from? guitarist is, our, one of right. our guitarists was from too. So he was like, "Hey, we can jam so easily." And I was like, "Yeah, I guess I listen to Paramore." I mean, I did. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It wasn't my main thing, but then I was like, "Okay, like we can do that." And yeah. yeah. <laughs> hmm. But then, so after that, you all bro you broke up and left the band. And then, did you? Was it weird? What, what was it like? A sort of admitting to yourself that like. Huh, the music I want to play isn't what I've been playing. It was weird at first, but then the second I left the band, like the projects that led me the projects that led me more to who to to what I do now yeah. like came up. Like um the first band I joined after that one was Sleepwalk Circus. Right. Yeah. And yeah. that one was just like, okay, wow, like like that was more ambient and uh Sleepwalk Circus is actually the band that introduced, uh, well, not introduced. They had me buy my first sampler. Okay. So I could use it with them because they need a lot of ambient noise and like electronic programmed beats that I could trigger on the fly live. Yeah. So I ended up learning a lot from them. And then maybe after six months in, after six months in Sleepwalk Circus, that's when I. It was my birthday, and I called all the guys over from composition class to start a, to just me. jam with me. Actually, okay. not even start a band. Right. But then they arrived, and when we jammed, it was like I was like, okay, so how do you guys like what do you, like what kind of soul do you guys listen to? And everyone just goes, well, it was me and my bassist at first, and we were just like, "Mama's Gun" by Erica Badu. That whole <laughs> album is is my shit. And then, and then we were like, oh my god, I think we're destined for each other, guys. <laughs> yeah. And then, yeah, that's when Chocolate Grass was born. So, yeah, yeah within within just a year of, of, of having that band go yeah. south, you know, like... Did you ever have this, like, sense of betraying your identity? <clears throat> While in that old no, band? No, just, or? like, transitioning from one genre to another. Actually, that... No, it wasn't a problem. I think the bigger problem, one genre to another, was uh, maybe that's when I started betraying not my identity, but possibly like who I was at my core. Because um, in my old band, 
Um, we had so much attention, actually, right. and we were touring the country. We even went to Singapore. And yeah, yeah. So many people just n- knew, knew what band were. I was in. Yeah. And like, but then by the time I had started Chocolate Grass and stuff, like the same scene that we used to play at with with, with the old band, like, yeah. they started being like, okay, what is this? You know, and like, what's Louise playing now? Whoa, huh. this is different. So. I think like my initial reaction to it was to kind of be like, "You guys don't know real music, that type, you know? Like, <laughs> right. like you guys don't have an open mind. You're gonna be stuck in punk forever, that type of thing." But right. then you know that's not how I feel anymore. But that was so my was initial reaction. Yeah, like that was the initial reaction. Like just act like a snob. <laughs> like you, f- like in a sense, you moving away from punk was like a, a way of maturing. Yeah, that, that's what I wanted to put out. But not necessarily um, in like an objective point of view. That's not necessarily true. Yeah, it was more of like, why don't you guys like like me anymore? You know, <laughs> like, I guess that was what I was feeling. Yeah, yeah. Um, so now you're like, you're done. You're done with the whole pop punk thing. Yeah, although Pretty I still much. revisit it listening wise sometimes. Okay. Yeah. Do you ever miss the band? Like no. No. No, I don't. Well, maybe the the touring part of it, yeah. Right. The touring part was great like not just because of the performing and being seen and whatever. It was more of like, you know, we got to travel for free a lot. Right. Yeah. Before you guys broke up, did you feel somewhat like repressed or suppressed um playing this music? Towards the end, yeah. Okay. Like, I was just keeping it alive because of the attention and, and the touring and stuff. Yeah. But um, one of the biggest reasons I actually... Before I became like Animals, I was releasing electronic music as just Luis Gutierrez. Right. And um, the biggest reason I did that was because I wanted to arrange music for that old pop punk band. Okay. And they just wouldn't let me because they said it was too weird or it wasn't bagay to the other songs and stuff like that. I only was able to... We were we only ever played one of the songs that I actually wrote with that band because oh, they wow. thought I was too dark and too experimental or something like that. And they just wouldn't get it because like instead of being like, you have to play that chord and that chord and that chord, I'd be like, okay, um, so turn on your delay and then... Like just go like, <laughs> and then they'd be like, "What? What? What? What is that?" And I'd yeah. be like, "Here, like this," and play it on a keyboard. And they'd be like, "I don't know how to do that on a guitar, man." <laughs> you know? Oh man! So how does it? How does that feel? I mean, I guess it, it's sort of similar to to how you described um when you would do your like school compositions and not do your like the fun like playtime mm-hmm. like me music. You know, life in the band was eventually like it felt like playtime still because like you know like when you're on tour, you definitely you know you just get drunk a lot, right. you you meet a lot of girls and and um and and just like get into weird situations and everything, but then uh, so it can feel like playtime, right? But then when it was music time. The only time it felt like playtime was on stage because, because like everyone's cheering, so you think you're doing okay. So because right. people around you are cheering, but in the studio it was always like, like okay, 
I'm gonna have to do this. Like if they asked me for a certain fill in on the drums, right? I'd be like, oh, but that fill in is lame. Like that's on like that's on like a billion songs already. But then since it's bagay, but it worked you know, for that. Yeah, and then they would. Although I mean, nowadays, <clears throat> I do enjoy this aspect of music or performing rather than music performing. Um, at the time, I just totally didn't see the point of. Uh, dressing up but that's what they totally stressed when we were getting bigger quote unquote they were always just like like Luis can you can you wear black today okay and um I wore this I wore this like cholo type bandana once and they <laughs> thought it was like the best so okay. I had to wear it every gig from that point on I mean, it's part of your brand. I yeah, guess. it was my brand. Like this, <laughs> I, I wore it once because I needed to get the sweat away from my eyes, and <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so like they would make us dress up, and for a while it was enjoyable. But then eventually, I guess like you realize it's really just not you, right? And it, and I honestly like at the time had a lot of problems with how I dealt with attention right. <laughs> because like I I don't know when I was a kid I never really shared everything I did all my art and stuff and then all of a sudden I'm in college and people think it's great you know okay. so I was very like whoa but so back to that night when I was asking June why she wanted to quit I was like don't you see like you know that we built something here and then she was like yeah but do you feel good about what, is, we, is it honest? what we built yeah is it honest is it what you want to put out and then the second she said that, I was like, hey, hmm. whoa, it, it, I, I don't think it is what I wanted to put out, you know? Well, it sounds like it, it worked out for for the best. I mean, now that you've you've gone to your own path, one that like you're more comfortable with, it's led to like animals, um, it's led to like music that you're like comfortable with. And um, so now you're back... You, you've you've started creating mostly like electronic ambient music, mm -hmm. um, but you took a break. You took a break from like composing. I took a break from or from sharing from sharing it. Right. But that break was sort of almost like a break from composing too, because like I couldn't spend any, I, I couldn't develop any of my ideas. It would okay. be like maybe maximum maximum a twenty four bar thing until okay. I and then I would just stop and be like I hate this oh no okay but then little did I know you know every time I messed up one of those ideas I was learning more and more how to use the techniques that I do now that that, that made you know this next set of releases I'm doing now right. like so different and stuff so when when you went you set out to like write to compose did you have um did you already have like ideas of like how it's supposed to sound or do you just go in there? I had some ideas, but I, as usual, like I wanted it to happen on its own as well. Right. But I had some ideas and a lot of those ideas involved imagery in my head rather than sounds in my head okay. actually, like Jodorowsky films. Right. That, that kind of, that kind of changed things for me watching Holy Mountain and, um, <laughs> Yeah, in my in my brief phase of uh, 
like getting into occultism and stuff like <laughs> yeah. that, like mysticism and things like that. Like my brief phase of that kind of, like what I took away from that phase was a, a lot of a lot of uh, aesthetic. Right. Like I really love I really love like being able to see things in my head when I hear certain sounds. Okay. There's certain sounds that people would hear on my records now, the ones that I'm making now, that would maybe remind them more of a city. But then, like, I, I wanted to find a way to make it remind people of the inherent soul of a city rather okay. than just walking through it or something like that, you know? Like, I, I, I found that parallel in, in those films. Cause like, yeah. Because, like, uh... Like there's a scene in Holy Mountain where everyone pushes their money into this pit of fire. Yeah. And ev- and like the first thing you would think is, oh, it's like a thing against you know being selfish. Right. But then you watch and they go on that journey and some people are getting hurt, some people are dying, they have crazy visions that drive them insane. But then, <clears throat> and then at the end of the film, it turns out to all be a film. Okay. Have you seen that film? No, I actually have not seen this. Oh. <laughs> no, no worries. <laughs> so, yeah, I'll like, see well, it soon enough. At the end of it, it's all revealed to actually, yeah, it, it is a film. Yeah. Sorry, guys. Haha. <laughs> Oops. You know? And, um, and then, like, from that, what, what I got from that was really, like, like, expression is expression, and, um, how do I put this? <laughs> nah. Like, like, expression is expression, it's just expression. But okay. it doesn't take away from the fact that there's so much soul and like spirit behind everything, right? right. So, um, I guess what I was because um, the reason I took that whole break. Sorry if I'm like talking no, no, in fragments, but the reason on. the reason I took that whole break was because um, I felt that I had lost my purpose for a bit because okay. I, strangely enough, um, I felt like I lost my purpose as a musician because I had become happy. Huh. Okay. Because my first two albums were breakup albums. Right. And like those were breakup albums where I just like, and my pattern was mysti- like mystify the ex. Right. Mystify the ex, make it seem like, wow, what the hell am I going to do without you? And like, it did great. Like, I love those first two albums. But when I started working, well, when I started working in the restaurant and coffee world and stuff like that, um, ended up making some money, and because of the routine in those jobs, um, I had become a bit more happy. Because like yeah. with the routine, you, you you don't act as as like erratically as as you would if you were just full time doing music and doing, you know, independent music at that. Right. You know, like and you have less time to feel like you're a rock star <laughs> and more time to really see what life is about and it eventually was i was like angst. wow i i have food in my fridge right that's great you know that's that's what i felt i was just like wow i have food in my fridge that's great and then like i would try to write music and i was like i'm, I'm not I'm feeling okay. anything <laughs> though like and then at the same time it was like it was like um at the same time as me being generally happy, 
it was also like, wow, um, I haven't had a girlfriend in a while, so where's that? So I would try to put that energy into it, but then like the thing that was at the surface of my mind was really just, I'm doing okay. Right. So like, I had no idea what to do. And then I I was taken under the wing of uh, of a local electronic okay artist as yeah. well uh, known as Caliphate. Okay. Uh, yeah, and he he just talked to me this one night about about how artistry is and how how. If you're jo- if you are an artist, then your your job isn't to impress anybody. Your job, like like, I mean, I I know that a lot of the time it involves relating to people, but at the very core of it, if you think about it, to create a piece of art. It, he didn't say this, but I thought about it eventually. Like to create a piece of art is you mimicking the creative force that created all of us because you're creating extensions to what (laughs) real life is, right? Like, you're creating something that hasn't been around before and therefore... And, like, I mean, how many people actually look around? I'm sure there are a lot, but how many people actually look around and go, hey, like, um... God made the sky damn well, huh? (laughs) Or whatever. It goes largely unnoticed. It goes largely unnoticed, right? So... As an artist, if that's the way you, you can see it, that you're just kind of just creating extensions to what is already there, and therefore you're kind of mimicking what the creative, what what the force that created us did. Right. Um, so man in that way, it's own like, image in a way. Yeah, and that way, do you ever really have to feel? Do you really ever have to feel um, inhibited by those things like? I'm not feeling this right now. How hmm. am I? I'm not feeling sad about my ex right now. How am I gonna write a song? Like, so I started f- trying to find a way to take in whatever the immediate was, right. you know. Which I think I was, which I always think about, and like I always think like I was able to do that before going through those bad breakups and becoming like very like, oh, I hate that I'm single. I'm gonna write <laughs> yeah. a song or three, you know. I mean, it sounds like then you drew from like these all these emotions, yeah, like raw human experiences. But then, and then you found you, you found like a routine and and um, comfort. In a way, I guess it's like contentment became like an enemy to your creativity. Yeah, definitely. I, I guess so. That's kind of what I was trying to say there. Yeah. But then, do you find that still up, that still applies now? Because I feel like there are people who are there are certain like temperaments or certain art that like requires a temperament where you're just like all over the place, following your heart, like listening yeah. to like your um, to your hunger, to your dissatisfaction, and then a life that's structured and disciplined and like very well organized like doesn't um, encourage that kind of creation. I I guess I'm in the middle. Right. But then contentment isn't an enemy anymore. Uh, yeah, I'm in the middle now because now my enemy is um, not being disciplined. Okay. Like I, I make sure that at least one hour a day I, I do something related to my music. Just so you're one very, hour. Are you, would you call yourself like more, um, at least in terms of your craft, like you have a structure or a yeah. routine? I think that's what did it. Like I, I made a routine for my craft, but for everything else, 
I'm, I'm still kind of like yeah. all over the place. Like, like I'll still go drinking. I'll still go drinking at 11 p.m. Knowing f- totally that I'm going to get home at four, but my shift <laughs> yeah. starts at six. Oh man! You know, like, and I'll, I'll I'll totally do it. I'll still totally do it, and I'll I'll absorb everything that I get from that, and I'll go through the sleepiness the next day as well. Yeah. But then when I get home, while I'm still hopped up on the coffee that I made, I'll made I'll, I'll do one hour of music, and That's then I'll pass amazing. out. You know. But then, in a way, because because according to scientists like willpower is actually like a limited resource you know it's mm. something that you can't um what was it like like they did a study on these kids like these kids were made to do like complicated like math problems and these kids were just like made to watch a movie and afterwards they were given a choice between like a cookie and like vegetables and those who watched movie were more likely to pick vegetables and like those who had to do math problems more likely to do to eat a cookie mm. and it's more like because yeah your discipline you're like Your will does get exhausted in a way. Like by doing that, you're reserving all that will for your craft. That's true. Yeah, because like I honestly don't structure anything. Yeah, that, that's actually a really good point there. Yeah, like I I really don't structure anything else. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's fine. I mean, it works for you. Yeah, I just make sure that I can eat good food and do the things I want to do, and then and then. Uh, yeah, I guess I am reserving all that will. That's really cool. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's from all these like crazy, crazy books I've been reading. Um, what was I gonna say? I just lost my. Okay, so yeah, so you were talking about how like um, your. It sounds like your process now is very like ethereal and out there, um, <clears throat> and talking about like the soul and the essence of a city and like having to distill that into um, notes or sounds mm-hmm. how do you get to that place mm. well from 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 all those depressed years I always just like looked for meaning and stuff and then in the middle of it I, I got I moved out to first the fort and then now Makati right, right. and That's so different from like you know growing up in Alabang where there's so much wind and and like there's trees and yeah. stuff you know like growing up there I had a lot of time to lay down and kind of just be like mm, meaning what is it you know <laughs> okay. whereas here it was like the second I wake up and like even if I'm doing stuff that'll relax me like. Let's say have some wine on my balcony in my second apartment in here in Makati in Avida the Malukai yeah, one. Yeah. Um, I step out and it's traffic outside and it's and and there's so much there's so much noise and right. stuff. Um, eventually, like I already had the idea in my head of like how do I translate like this life that I have now, like the story that I have now. Um, into music, but then it wasn't until maybe like six months ago. Okay. I feel when I was talking to a friend of mine, and she was saying how she feels like an outcast because she's a philam. Okay. And because she doesn't speak the dialogue and she didn't grow up experiencing the things that that all the kids here experienced, like that she's an outcast. And right. like she feels that way, or something like that. And I was like, "Hey, you know, I grew up in a 
in like a, a bubble town almost, you know, and I don't even speak Tagalog properly. And, right. and like, I, I honestly feel the same way. And then I just go, eventually I went like, yeah, I, sometimes I just feel like a ghost, you know. And then the imagery popped into my head. It's like almost like I'm, I'm, I'm detached and I'm uninvolved, but I am involved because I grew up here. Right. And, and like, uh, yeah, I guess all of the stuff that, that, that has been in this mind for the past few years, um, just combined with that idea, like, uh, hmm, how do I put this? I had the, I had that phase where I was very, very like into some alternate spiritualities and right. stuff like that. And even though right now it's not my thing anymore, the the imagery of the imagery of it in the scriptures and and like like fortunes and whatever right. that I've heard in the past, like all the imagery stuck to me, and it. I was able to draw parallels between what was happening to me now, learning how to muster up the the freaking will to get to work so I could pay my rent, okay, um, or or pay my electric bill, even though I totally just wanted to stay at home uh, and make beats like that. Like the 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 parallel was like okay, like um, I'm gonna get up and I'm going to uh, I'm going to work. And make the money to pay my rent because I have to. Just like, just like, um, just like the way Vikings uh, viewed battle. Like, cause I was into Neo-Germanic okay. paganism yeah, for a, yeah. for a bit there, All and right. these guys saw it. Those guys saw it as like God said so. So Therefore. we're gonna go sack this city <laughs> and like fight, fight like with our clothes off and with two, an axe per hand, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. and so I kind of saw it that way eventually when I got the hang of like paying rent and having to work to do so and then do music at night still, yeah. instead of being like, damn, I'm so sad that I can't do music all day anymore, which is, was the case for a while. I started being like, you know what? Like one axe per hand, <laughs> like yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to me mess this up. I'm going to mess all of this up. And like, even though it's, even though it's hard to do so, you know, and like yeah that's just one example there's so many things like um like the reason my tattoos are alchemic symbols is because like when i was into jodorowsky he, like cause he's really into alchemy and alchemy when i read up on it is really just the it's 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 the the pseudoscience part of it is is really just the discipline that leads you towards like what you're actually trying to learn what you're actually trying to learn with alchemy is that you can transform one thing to another right. if you try hard enough. You know, like mm. like the the whole imagery of turning shit into gold. Right. You know, so that's which I'm quite sure no one has has actually achieved I because like I, I don't know how do you do that, right? Like but Elon Musk will figure out a way. Yeah. <laughs> if there's anyone that could, it probably him. Probably be him. Yeah. But yeah, like imagine that. Like if you took it literally, that's just like a really terrible pursuit. You're gonna have to like you know take your own excrement and try and turn it into gold every day. But if right. you if you see the imagery behind it, it's like like what if what if the 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 poop in question was was me. And like the golden question was was the best possible version the of potential me. Potential self, yeah. And instead of slacking off, I actually did some push-ups and 
cooked a meal for myself and then made music even though I was tired you know sim- right. simple things like that but Be- between the between what I experienced like getting into those things those those spiritual things and me putting my life into a more disciplined mold like between those two was I guess what my music is now you know? right but then so you mentioned like you make sure you do an hour a day related to music um, but with like music especially with like when you're writing um, there are a lot of people who will like wait for their inspiration or chase their muse or or whatever and, it, and it's like different like with athletes they have their routine of this is my playlist I go here at this time I I get on my knees for a, however many minutes like they envision like they have a set um number of steps to get in like that state of flow or focus but with like music do you have a shortcut to get into that zone in which you can you're inspired that you're able to write mm. I don't think so well okay. the shortcut as I found recently but it's not 100% consistent either but one of the shortcuts I find is to just start right because like um I used to have those steps too. It's like, I'm going to eat a meal. I'm going to have a cigarette after that. I'm going to stare at the city for a bit. And then I'm going to start. But then, like, I recently finished an album that I didn't expect to finish. And I did it all in one week. (laughs) And it was, like, literally all of it in one week. And it's because I wanted to have it done for a performance. And I didn't want to look like an idiot. And I, I, I told the, the organizer, like, yeah, I'll make new stuff for it. Yeah. And, like, so I was like, okay, I'm going to have to make good on this promise. So instead of doing the, the steps that led me towards starting, I would just start. Right. And, like, I finished it in a week. <laughs> huh. Yeah. But then I tried doing that again recently. And though I was able to finish it, like... The last two tracks were squeezed into one day. Okay. The first two tracks took like three days each, you know, so... Well, without yeah. that pressure, you didn't have... Yeah. Um, ...as much drive. But, like, did you ever, in these hours that you set aside per day, do you ever, like, sit down and then and come up with nothing? Yeah, some days. What happens then? Like, what do you end up doing? It's either I delete the project file or <laughs> I keep it. And if I keep it and the next day for the next hour of that day... Um, it ends up becoming something else. How do you judge w- between like files that are worth keeping and the ones that you just need to delete? It. I can't explain it technically, but usually the tracks that I decide to keep are the ones where even though like the mixing sucks or I can't clear the sample properly or I can't find the right drum, usually if I'm if if I start dancing, okay, to my own music, that me- that means I'm, I'm going to. To keep it. Hmm. If I start just, if I'm at my desk and I'm just like, ooh, <laughs> and Joey looks at me from across the room like, what? But have you <laughs> ever, have you ever had a time when you like, you sit down and just like nothing comes out? You're just like creatively constipated. Yeah, there, there are those times too, actually. What do you do then? I usually go to my mom's place, um, get on the internet because I don't have internet at okay. my place. But yeah. I go to my mom's place, get on the internet, and I find new uh 
field recordings. Like a lot of my samples now are field recordings, and okay. I just go onto libraries and banks of like these field recording clubs from different countries. Or I haven't found a forum here, like based here yet. But um, I I, I go to go to these banks and I download sounds like forest before rain, <laughs> or like or like vacuum sealer. And then I I just try doing things with those things if if nothing okay, if really okay. nothing, and and usually if nothing comes out it's an indication that I need to update my sample library. Okay, it sounds like you've you've gone from just like I'm an artist I'm a rock star do whatever go where the wind blows kind of approach and now you have like a pretty set approach to how you do things. Yeah, I feel like I guess it's it's been necessary now that and if you have another job beside it. Yeah, even evolving. <laughs> Yeah, it's been great, and like I don't know, it's nice being less emotional too. <laughs> okay, is, do you find it, is that liberating or? It is liberating. Sometimes I miss being like incredibly emotional, angsty. but then when I think about it, yeah. I was much less happy when I was angsty, right. and I am now being like, okay, let's not think about the negatives. Hmm. You know, like because I had to end up doing that. Because like eventually it was like I, I I focused so much on the negative that it would stop me from even doing well. I see. For things that I wanted to do well for, yeah. you know. And then when I realized that, I was like, okay, um, neuroplasticity. Right. You know, neuroplasticity. You can train yourself to feel positive, more positive, if you want to, right? So I just started doing that. And 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 have you sensed how that has changed the way your music sounds? Yeah. Actually, I, I guess I became more. Well, my songs are way longer now. Oh yeah. yeah. When I was more emotional, it was anywhere between two minutes to maybe five at most. Okay. And now my songs are something like eight minutes long, stuff. <laughs> Seven minutes, eight minutes, nine. So are they are they a bit like more cerebral than emotional? There's emotion, cerebral, drum wise. Right. Cerebral, drum wise, emotional. Synth and sample wise. All right. So, but so now, like going back to the whole idea of like evolving. Now you have this new. Uh, was it Fantomo? Yeah. Fantomo. How is this different from like animals? Fantomo is. Um. Well, I was supposed to actually just ditch like animals, right? Um, okay. I was supposed to because I, like, I was thinking like, wow, like you know, it's been played out. So I started making Fantomo. And um, I realized that I can actually, like, I separated what I feel about, like, I separated uh, a lot of things when I was deciding whether or not I would ditch like animals. And I realized with like animals, it's it's actually something like a, it's 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 what I can relate to people with, like, even though it's not your usual still. Most people can still be like, "Hey, this is cool. I'm gonna try and dance to this right now." Okay. And as much as I don't care about people's opinions or try not to care, I like it when I can relate to people. So for the few people that might relate to it, I'll still make like animals. But Fantomo, it, I decided to do the project at a time where I wanted to stop caring completely. Okay. And like, just made the make the weirdest stuff possible. If I wanted to make something terribly, terribly weird, um, then I'll just do it with yeah. Fantomo. And like, I guess musically, instead of drumming electronically, I get in a studio and I record the drums myself. 
Yeah. And everything is a sample. There's no synthesizers. Um, okay. Like even if it sounds like a synthesizer, it's 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 just a sample that I bended so much yeah. and and did some things to to make it sound like it is a synthesizer. So are you more focused on that now than like animals? Nah. I still do both. Yeah, like animals is stuff that I can write letters with. You know, like um, hmm. uh, if I think a girl is cute, I can r make a like animals beat about how I think she's cute. Okay. With Fantomo, it's more of a. I find that with Fantomo, it's more of a. I'm looking at the world and telling you what I see, kind of thing. Huh. You know, and like um, it's also more scientific in a way. Like I actually tune. I actually tune every single wave in Fantomo to frequencies that I've studied and found that I find that these frequencies uh, actually bring up the uh, the rate of thought in human beings and so, like I'm in a way it's kind of a statement project too like I'm trying to say like hey like look at what's happening right now maybe we could do better huh. collectively if we work together stuff but then it sounds so dark but so it doesn't seem like that's the message but then like scientifically <laughs> these frequencies like actually get you to well one frequency i tuned to is 432 okay 432 hertz that that is is the it's the rate it's the rate that the earth is uh vibrating oh i didn't know that Okay. Yeah. So, like, if you're, cause, like, the usual frequency of m most broadcast is 440 hertz, right? And that, according to some sources and some pretty good sources too, was actually what dic like what dictators would use for their their announcements. Because oh, 440 apparently kind of jars humans. Interesting. Kind of makes you like, whoa. Okay, gotta listen to this now. But 432 is is the rate that the earth that the earth is vibrating. So you resonate with the earth. Yeah. So in effect, it has a relaxing effect. So that's, that's one it. part. It's like okay, relax. And then if if you can get past the 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 crazy, like the the really crazy weird sounds that I have on the rest of Fantomo, you'll get to the point where it where I tune things to eight hertz. Huh. So you're very low and you can't hear it at all. You're kind of like, um, it's like the equivalent of like the golden ratio in sacred geometry, but to sound. Yeah. Yeah. This is really intriguing. Um, so like, so you're doing this project and you don't, you just don't care about like what, what opinions, what prestige it would yeah. lead to. I think that's great. I think that's a good way of like keeping your, your art like more true, more honest to who you are. Um, and in the end, like people can sense that I think when you're like insincere, yeah, with your with your craft especially. So, um, what uh, what are you coming? What are you like most excited for now? Mm, I got a, a like animals EP coming out soon. A music video. Yeah, we're gonna make that happen. We're making yeah. a music video. <laughs> um. An, an album for like animals as well as a full one yeah but right. then that one is is less of an album and more of a beat tape in a way but it's 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 a one hour performance that i made that i just made 
like in a week. Okay. It's that one, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then um Is this the one you played in twenty twenty? Yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. That's the that, one. Play, that, that stuff is great. great and then there's the Phantomo there's a Phantomo E P that I'm gonna put out but then I'm gonna extend my deadline and make it possibly make it either an album or a double EP. One side sounds like this, the other sounds like this type thing. You got a lot in your plate. Trying to finish all this by the end of the year? Hopefully. Musically at least. Alright. Like um uh bus- business wise with like animal with the like animal stuff, like I'm hoping to have the music done by this year. But you know, I could I could find the time to like you know get the album art and the pressing yeah. done next year or whatever. You know. yeah, I, th- I think your goals are these are all like attainable, yeah. especially with like your routine. Um, anyway, I think I think we have to go to Finders Keepers soon. Um, for w- w- what's happening? East it's Coast. A, yeah, it's, it's an East Coast hip hop night. Yeah. So as much as the name I, the I can talk for hours more about like your like the music um, industry, like your take on it, your beliefs on it, your like this whole like ethereal approach and geometric approach to music. I can keep going on and on, but I feel like I, one battery's about to die, and <laughs> we got places to be. So um, before we go, how do uh, how do people? find your stuff how do they uh check out your music what's the best spotify soundcloud uh for now soundcloud uh that's like animals ph okay um i'll be putting out Bandcamp again oh, oh um okay. my first two albums as like animals are on spotify oh great okay yeah under body clock records but soon for my next few like animals releases and my phantomo releases like it'll be under buan buan records Oh, cool! Very cool. Um, and then any any big shows coming up? Actually, no. no working <laughs> like, on it. Working on it. Yeah, <laughs> I, I just finished my my last string. All right, all right. Very cool. Um, so that that about wraps it up. Uh, that was Lu- Luis Gutierrez on uh, Meet Your Makers. It's been um, a fun time. We're out of beer. We're out of time. So um, thanks for listening.